G'day sports fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast coming at you on a hump day, happy Wednesday, happy 1st of June, happy birthday Kyle Merritt, uh, the Sports Bee production is back up and running, JLo and I sit down to discuss everything that's happening in the sporting world, I think these Wednesday pods are going to stick, we're going to keep doing a regular Wednesday dish, uh, plenty of NBA final stuff to talk about by the time you're watching and listening to this. There might be one game in the books. They start Friday morning, Australia time, and I am peaking. I'm excited for the NBA Finals. I think we're going to be in for a ripper series. I think I'm siding with the dubs, but I also think Boston's got the better team. So we'll be very interested to see how things match up in the first few games of the NBA Finals unfold. We've hit pretty much the halfway mark for the AFL season as well. The AFL fantasy buy rounds are in full swing. So JLo and I talk about how we're traveling prior to round 12 and what our trade moves are. A couple of rookie targets emerging as well. Hopefully Thursday night can be kind to fantasy coaches and we can get a couple of cash cows. Then we did a little bit of a dive through the recent AFL results and look forward to round 12. Before we did another Mount Rushmore looking at an AFL player that you would want to start and build your team around. So four pretty good picks by JLo and four pretty good picks by myself. So it'll be interesting to see who agrees has the better Mount Rushmore. But like I said, plenty of stuff in today's podcast. So let's not waste any time and dive right in. Boys had a uh, slight schedule change. We're now coming at you on hump day. Not uh, unaccustomed to doing a podcast on a Wednesday previously. How are you going on 1st of June, J-Lo? Yeah, it's a, it's a, a new beginning, mate. I mm. just can't, I can't explain to you how fresh waiting and for this day. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, no, I'm fine. Just ticking along, mate. Middle of the week on the downhill slant now. Towards the weekend, towards the long weekend over mm-hmm. here in WA. And uh, yeah, slant towards the buy rounds in fantasy. Ooh. Uh, before we dive into big global sporting uh, topics, let's give our GSFL update because we are also on a buy. Uh, coming off the mm. biggest win in Sharks franchise history. That we are. It yeah. felt good. It felt good, I'm going to be honest, you know. It felt good for about know. half the game, and then uh, we got absolutely pissed on. Like, that was some of the heaviest yeah. rain I've played footy in. That was ridiculous. Yeah, it's funny. Every year, I kind of think to myself at some point, in, inevitably in the season, I'm like, yeah, this is like the wettest I've ever been. And every year, I swear, like, it gets trumped. I'm like, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's living in Albany. But, yeah, that was a, a real slosh fest at the end. I, although... Full credit to Denmark. Mm. The oval drained well. So yeah. it was just my yep. boots. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that uh, a lot of people will be tuned in purely for the GSFL updates, but at four and two yeah. and the Sharkies on a buy, I think it's time that, uh, yeah, we've shed a bit of light on the other topics going on. Uh, I want to start basketball today because I tell oh, you wow. what, after the last few days and like reading previews and listening to podcasts, <laughs> I am fucking amped for this NBA finals. I hope that we get a ripper series. I think we got real two really interesting styles of teams like Boston. You could argue is one of the best defensive units and they've 
that's what's probably jolted them up the standings and saw them surge to the playoffs. And then Golden State's obviously elite offensively. Weren't great in the regular season, but I think they're the number one offense throughout the playoffs. So, yeah, I'm I'm pumped. I don't really even know where to start. What's uh, what's your initial thoughts on the NBA Finals? Yeah, I'm still warming up. I'm okay. still warming up. Um, yeah, doesn't excite me like tons. The matchup doesn't excite me tons. I think I'm just a bit sick of the Warriors. Don't really like Boston. I don't know. It's just two teams. I'm kind of like, uh, whatever. Fuck both of you guys. But um, you're right. Offense versus defense. And it really is. That, that's sort of the the big narrative in my mind. I kind of like the Wilt versus Bill Russell Celtics Warriors kind of thing as well. But Yeah, there's some history there. Um, yeah, well, it's 50 years in the making. But um, yeah, there is some history there. It's nearly ancient history. But yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm yet to get excited. We're still, still, it's this break, I think. The break, mm. I don't know, it just it takes too long. But anyway, I'll, uh, I'll fire up, that's for sure. The worst part about the NBA playoffs, I think, is the fact that, you know, we go from having 82-game season where there's on most nights like eight teams playing plus or like eight games even. So then you go to the playoffs and you're like, oh, yeah, there's like, you know, there's no gaps, but there's like one game I can focus on. Then you're like, oh, yeah, there's one a day. Oh, yeah, there's one every two days. And now you're like, oh, man, Mm -hmm. like it's going to be two weeks before we potentially play like six, seven games. So. I can understand that as you get towards the end of the season, the uh, the interest might teeter out. But yeah, I'm up and about. I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens if the Dubs do add a fourth title. Like, where do they stand legacy-wise? A lot of people have compared the like Durant, Draymond, Clay, Curry Warriors to like some of the best teams that have ever played. So, you reckon a fourth chip? does anything for the legacies of a lot of these players. I don't want to talk too much about individuals. I want to focus on like the actual matchup at hand, but I talked about the possibility of Curry winning his first finals MVP. Like, does that bump him up the Mount Rushmore or the top 10 list or anything like that in your eyes? I I wouldn't say so, honestly. Maybe does out of everyone, maybe a bit for Draymond, but I think Clay and Steph are already pretty, entrenched in where they're going to finish and like we kind of we kind of know who they are um finals mvp for steph i I don't think it matters we're still just like yeah he's a top 15 player top 10 like i don't know after a certain point it feels like the the amount of chips you have doesn't matter too much i I don't know although unless he's up there for the like number one guy yeah, or okay. a top five kind, which I don't think he is. I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's nah, going to change I don't think he is. either of those three's legacy much. I don't know how you feel. I don't think it should either. Like they've had such a sustained period of success that, you know, I don't, if, whether they lose this finals or they win, obviously they'd much rather mm. win and have four rings. Like they made the finals, what, eight times now in... No, sorry, six times in eight years, ballpark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, if Curry gets the MVP, awesome. But I don't think it's going to deter or enhance his legacy a shitload. I mean, it could be. One of the other two, I was going to say, one of the other two getting finals MVP might help them. That's what I was just going to say. I was like, it could do a different thing if, like, Clay went off and had two 40-point games Mm -hmm. or 
Draymond had a triple-double a couple of times, something like that. But uh, Boston's actually the only team that has a winning record against Golden State since Steve Kerr has been the coach. Granted, they've probably only played twice a year for all those years. Yeah. But mm. I think, yeah, I'm obviously going to be focusing on what Golden State can do offensively against Boston. And I think the role, like Curry and Clay will probably get 50 between them-ish. There'll be nights where they have more, nights where they have less. But the Jordan Poole oh, factor right. is an interesting one. Uh, oh, yeah, well, I mean, going up against like, well, let's start with the guards. Let's talk about the guards because I was thinking we go through like positionally. I think sure. Poole and his scoring punch for Golden State will be really important because no disrespect to Marcus Smart. Some people might not agree with it, but he was a defensive player of the year. So that'll be huge for how he slows them down. I wouldn't shock me if he kept one of those two like big dogs like Steph or Clay in check, but Poole's offense off the bench, if he can give you a quick, 18, 20 points in 15 minutes or something of the sorts, or even better in a longer role, then I think that'll be huge for Golden State. Yeah, but so you're saying Paul will, like, you've playing next to Curry and Clay. Like, it's it's one of those things people are like, oh, but if you get 20 points off the bench, but you got to remember, it's like you're still playing five on five basketball. It's not like, mm. you know what I mean? Like, so Marcus Smart will still be out there or, like another I guess, sturdy defender. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is I do wonder how much they'll use him because he his minutes have varied shitloads in the last series. Against you boys, he was playing quite a bit. But yeah, he has been banged up. So I do wonder if they're going to, you know, do they want to go small ball and really challenge Boston and have Clay Curry and Poole on the floor for extended chunks of time? I don't think it's the smartest move, but if they go down that route, could be interesting. Like they might be able to just have two of those blokes going off and Marcus chasing the other one. Derek White's a mm. solid defender as well, I guess. But yeah, I'm intrigued to see what role Paul plays, I guess. That could go a long way to determining how the series pans out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I will say though, Steph Curry has never, I don't remember a good finals he's played. Can you think of one? I actually dug into the numbers when I wrote about the fact that he's never won finals MVP. He shoots 42% from the field in 28 final games averages about a couple of percentage points under 50 for his career he's only got one 40 point game he's had one 11 point game a couple of others around the 15 mark and in the teens he averages virtually 25 five and five but you're right it's never the finals yeah pretty much but you're right it never feels like he's yeah it never feels like he's going off or he's been the focal point or he's really you know, thrived or lived up to the expectations that we put on a bloke like Steph Curry. So, yeah, yeah. that ma- that matchup's going to be enormous. I-, I wouldn't be surprised if Marcus Smart went to Clay mm. because, um, look, doesn't matter who you put on Curry. Like, he's either going to play well or not, and like, he's either going to. Um, that's a stupid statement. He's either going to. He's either yeah, going to. Yeah. Be Steph or not, and you know whether he steps up in finals or he continues to struggle. Even though twenty-five, five and five doesn't seem like struggling, um, I would almost be like, "Look, we'll we'll let him do it, but we can slow Clay down, or we can slow whoever else down." Um, yeah, that I. This is realistically a on one one side, like for the Warriors, this is a guard finals. And on mm. the other side, it's a big man finals for Boston, like the the front court plus Al Horford. Like Al Horford's gonna, I 
predict, and I know we'll jump ahead, but he'll have a huge finals, like because of who's he's going to have Looney and Kaminga guarding him, like yeah, sorry, Small ball drain you know, Yeah, <clears throat> who's a great defender, but he's going to have to guard Jason Tatum or Brown. So, and I, I guess we could even swing to the other side. We've talked a lot about Marcus Smart, but Jalen Brown's the other guard. Probably see the starting two guard. Mm, I think so. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, how's Steph or Clay or whoever going to guard him? Like he he could be the real X factor in that backcourt. And we've probably said it in previous series. Like Jalen Brown really does have to go along with Jason Tatum, and I think he's got every opportunity to win a Finals MVP with the blokes he's going to have guarding him. So. Yeah, I guess now I think about it, it actually will be one or lost in for both sides with the guards. Yeah, we've kind of glossed over a little bit of Boston's offense versus Golden State's defense. Like that's going to be a huge factor, obviously. Mm. But yeah, that the whole Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum like pairing has obviously like run its course for a lot of people. When they were like uh, halfway through the year, they were oh, flick one of them away. Let's upgrade. Let's do a trade. But it's cool to see the two of them like drop, staying together and driving a lot of the success. You're right, though. Al Horford's going to be big for uh, Golden State from a matchup standpoint. No offense, Kevon Looney. I don't think you're going to be dictating terms a lot. Rob Williams, he was pretty banged up against Miami and has been for the whole playoffs. But they can get you know 20 minutes out of him and he's wreaking havoc on defense. I think, honestly, top to bottom, Boston has a better team. Uh, yes, yeah, I agree. They do... Golden State has shown that they can win on the road, but Boston's also been a pretty good road team. Like they closed the last two series out on the road in Miami and Milwaukee, like two pretty daunting tasks. Um, mm. So yeah, I've said it a couple of times. I think this is going to be a ripper. I'm uh, going to be watching heavily that guard matchup, but again, the wings, like you said, Brown and Tatum clearly have the advantage in that area. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's funny that Andrew Wiggins is an all-star starter, yet we haven't actually said his name 20-ish, what are we, 15 minutes into the podcast talking yeah, about the man, finals. So, yeah. Like, he, he could have his cameo in his moment and a big dunk on someone, but I'm just not a huge believer of Wiggins being an, a factor. He's pretty important for Golden State. Like, if they can get some corner threes out of him and he's, you know, making stops on defense, playing his, like, high-energy role at his, like, ceiling... That'd be a huge boost, but I still think that Boston has the advantage on the wings. And I don't really know, like you probably said Wiggins or like you said before, Draymond to Tatum, one of them for the entire game. But I still think Tatum will probably have 30 against those dudes. I I reckon the first few games, maybe not. I reckon Draymond, Draymond is the smartest player in the league, probably like def- at least defensively. Um, and I reckon Draymond will have been sitting there in the lab with a little scrapbook of every superstar that he might guard. Like even like 20 games ago, he's like, well, we look like we might have Jokic. All right. What am I going to do against him? He, he'll have a plan against everyone. And like, I always go back to the nuggets because I've sort of watched them the most. Like it took Jokic probably two and a half, three games to figure out um, what Draymond was doing and how to capitalize and I wonder whether Jason Tatum has the same capability to do that. Or I, I've often felt like in the past, Jason Tatum just kind of keeps 
going to his game and sort of like sometimes it can break through but sometimes it's just like he's banging your head against the wall trying to do the same thing over and over again because it's worked for him so whether or not Jason Tatum has the ability to adjust to one of the best defensive players of all time in Draymond Green yeah, certainly one of the smartest um, I think that will really dictate it so I forgot what the original point was but um, that's my point on Tatum and Draymond I don't know I say average 30. I mean, I think he averaged 25 against Miami, which when you get to this pointy end of the season, averaging 25 is still pretty impressive, but 30 might, be a bit of, Curry. Yeah, 30 might be a bit of a stretch, but yeah, I don't know. I think, he, go on. I think he might average 30 over the series, but I don't. I reckon the first few games he might actually struggle. He might end up in the higher teens and just sort of be a bit off. Yeah, okay. And you, you don't want to fall in a hole against golden state as a one player or as a team like they're just you've got to come out strong so uh, i worry for jason tatum's soul against draymond green to be honest speaking of uh coming out strong obviously we're about 24 hours from game one in golden state so they technically have home court advantage but as i said i don't think that'll be a massive factor this series, which way you're leading in game one initially? Do you think that Golden State's going to, like they've had longer to prep. Obviously, Boston went through a pretty gruelling series against Miami. Do you think it's going to be close? Do you think Boston will hang in and then fall away? How do you reckon things will pan out? I, I suspect Tatum will struggle and the, like the Golden State sort of, they're they're like showtime you know what i mean like the mm. showtime of golden state the spectacle that is golden state the juggernaut that is the warriors might sort of just knock them off the the court um in game one so i'm thinking like might be a 10 plus point win to the warriors um with that said i'm i'm not sure if i would pick the Warriors or the Celtics. I'm still pretty, I'm sort of line balling there, but I think the Warriors will win game one. And I think it's pretty much down to that Draymond versus Tatum battle. And I think just, I, I've got a lot of faith in Draymond, even though he's a, he's a bastard on the basketball court. He's good at it. So tell you what, now that I've been separated from him from a few years as a Cavs fan, I can actually like really appreciate how good he is. Cause initially oh, yeah, I'll just too. be like, going off at him for pitching to the refs. And then of course he would knock down like the back breaking three. So I, I sports hated the bloke for a big chunk of time. Still do a little bit deep down, still do, but yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a legit future hall of famer. He gets away with fucking murder. He gets away with like three to four times more than anyone else in the league. Like it's, and I think that's why yeah, like it's so upsetting to watch, especially when he's doing it against your team. You're like, if, if Jokic did this or if Tatum did this or if Darius Garland did what he's doing right now, he would have got ejected like in yeah. two seconds. Like this is like, how is this double standard exist? But like, yeah, I, I totally agree. I really respect him um, and enjoy watching his craft. Like he's so smart. Um but he is a prick when he's up against your side. So yeah, I'm glad I'm, so. I guess I'm, I'm glad I'm not a Celtics fan, but then I'd be in the finals. So, yeah, I think I agree with you. I think golden state will win probably by double digits in game one. And it wouldn't surprise me if there was a, 
you know, it might only be five to seven minutes, but there's a stretch where, like you said, that whole showtime spectacle of the Warriors is just like at its peak. One of mm. both of the Splash Brothers are hitting threes. The arena's going off. Haven't been to uh, Oracle or what's the new one called now? It is Oracle now. Oh, is it? What was it before? Oh, no, Chase. Sorry. Chase. Chase. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't been to Oracle or Chase Center, but it seems like from all reports that there's less energy than there was previous in that old building, but I still reckon, way less. Yeah. I still reckon that the Warriors fans will be up and about. They've been chomping at the bit to get back to the finals. They've got a healthy list now. They've been here before. I reckon that, yeah, they'll run away and uh, win game three in pretty convincing fac- fashion, but I don't think it'll dictate how the series goes. I really think similar to we've, what we've watched in the past two uh Boston series. I think we're going to have a bit of a, a fight on our hands. People punching left and yeah. right. One team wins, one team wins, one team. Well, it might go chalk, like it might go the home team wins through four. And I think, I mean, tossing and turning as to what my prediction is going to be, but I think I'm going to side with Warriors in seven. Again, maybe it's a sports fan in me trying to talk it into existence. And I did say earlier in this podcast that Boston have the better team, but I think that championship medal and a healthy Draymond and a healthier roster overall and a cruisier run to the finals will all bode well for the Warriors. Like Boston's been mm. in some pretty big, heavy, grueling physical series against Milwaukee and against Miami. So I do wonder how much that'll take its toll. Again, it's going to be fucking close, but that's my pick. I'm going dubs in seven. Yeah. I, you know what? I don't know if I even have a pick, um, to be honest. Hey, you, you don't uh, have to give one, mate. You're as uh, you're as much entitled to your opinion of I just want to see great basketball as you want. Yeah, I'm just a fan of the sport. No, I, I think my heart is telling, like my 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 basketball heart is telling me the one that matters. Just immediately, podcast. it's the Warriors. Yeah, I think the Warriors will win in six. <laughs> Whatever. What what yeah. does anyone fucking know? It's yeah. good to give prediction. I don't. Do you reckon we got any of these fucking? Picks throughout the playoffs, right? Like, I I'll barely what, didn't know one. Tell you what, after this finals, I'll go back and check and we'll do it. We'll do a, uh, a postseason recap. A post postseason recap. Maybe some of the first round sweeps. And even then, we probably didn't pick them, you know? Oh, like, yeah. Like, I think I was predicting uh, some janky shit. I think I said that um, Golden State were going to sweep Memphis. Like, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No way. I digress. All right. Uh, one thing I am certain of is that in your AFL fantasy side, you're only going to have a best of 18 this week and for the foreseeable future. We'll obviously have basketball to unpack in future sports be pods and we'll keep checking in on the NBA finals. But the next three weeks for fantasy coaches, and let's be honest, that's why most of the people listen to this podcast, it's extremely important. So mm-hmm. how is Huss Blorken shaping up prior to the round 12 bye? Um. I'm all right. I think I'm yet to make any trades. No, I, I know that. I don't think that. I know it. Um, and it is a fact. I've got, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure I've got 17 on field. Uh, I'm okay. just doing a bit of a quick check. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure. Um, so, yeah, I feel all right. Um, I know I've got a lot of dogs going out next week, but I've got a lot of giants out at the moment. Um, so... Yeah, you know, I'm just feeling really happy that um, 
my pick of Tim Kelly mm. a few weeks ago sort of came good. That whole game was so good for me. Like the top five guys, I was like, that's me. Like yeah. 130 for everybody. So um, yeah, going in the buyers, I don't know, whatever. I've got three mm. trades. I think the three trades just like, unless you're really lopsided is enough. Right? It is a big that's boost, right? Feeling. Yeah. I, um, Plus the 18. I did have a laugh as I was like looking through my phone and checking those scores, I want to say halfway through the third, maybe. Then I was like, oh, yeah, JLo traded Tim English in this week. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tim Keeley, I think like the week before. So I was like, oh, yeah, kudos to you. Uh, quick round 11 recap. Where would you uh, end up scoring? Where you at? Hmm, good question. Uh, you know why I I'm scored, asking, don't you? 2180. No, why? Pretty good because I want to talk about my score. <laughs> yeah, I saw you had a really good one, and I don't really know how it came to fruition. Eh? I scored twenty three oh eight. Yeah, I moved up about really? a thousand spots, so I'm sitting. Have like you ever got a higher score than that? Uh, probably in like the back end of the season. You know, I'll have like a twenty four hundred mm. or something. But yeah, rolled the dice and traded in Alex Witherden. So I also and Captain Dunkley. So that Bulldogs West Coast game was also fantasy friendly. Uh, mm. If Hugh Dixon plays this week, which is a stretch and probably not going to happen, uh, before trades, I think I've got 20 playing, but okay. I am quite heavy in the round 13 because I grabbed Luke Parker. I grabbed Widow last week. So I think I've got like some bigger names that are going to be out in round 13. So I'm tossing up doing a couple of different moves. And there's been a few people who've hit me up with questions in a similar vein throughout the portion of the week we've gone through already. Where do you reckon you stand on trading in a player on their buy round? Because I'm looking at grabbing Machito Owens, who kicked two snags for the Saints on the weekend, laid 10 tackles, scored 95. He's about 266K mm. off the top of my head. Actually, that's not off the top of my head. I know that for a fact. Uh, mm. He's, I think, the second most traded in player at the moment. Pure mid, but where do you stand on trading in blokes that are having the week off? Uh, I reckon it's all, it's purely based on how your squad's looking like you with 20 players or whatever. That's fine. Go for it. But if you've got like me and you need to pick someone up, I, I would be hesitant. Um, but yeah, why not? Like get ahead of the curve. Um, if you've got nothing else to do as well, if it's the only thing that kind of makes sense, might allow you to go up to a big, name who is playing or around 14 or whatever it is, you know, yeah. um, I can have at it. That's what I reckon, man. Well then obviously you can understand why people would pull the trigger and do that move on a rookie, but where do you stand on doing it with a premium? Cause I, I agree. It's probably a similar thing. It's probably like, yeah, whatever. Everyone's teams in an individual situation, like do whatever's best for you. But I'm looking pretty hard at our mate, Jing John Kelly. And I can just yep. get to him if I get a couple of other uh, dominoes that fall right. I think Matt McGuinness from North is an expected debutant. He's 190K defender forward. Um, Patrick Parnell, who was uh, picked in the mid-season draft last year from Adelaide. He's a 190K defender who's been named to play. So there are some cheap rookies out there if I'm just chasing a score and I need the cash to go up. But it's very different grabbing someone like Owens and doing another move for a playing dude compared to grabbing Kelly. So probably agree. It's probably a similar answer, but how do you feel about trading in a premium on their buy? 
it doesn't make as much sense to me, mm. to be honest. It's a bit of like, why wouldn't you just do it next week? You know, maybe sort of be smart with your money. Um, if you don't need the score, just wait. Why don't you just yeah. wait? Why don't you get an extra rookie uh, or something? Uh, you know, I've never, you know, I've never thought about it, to be honest. Mm. It makes less sense to me, though, I must admit. Um, I tend to agree. I mean, I just really want Josh Kelly sitting in the large fries and Coke. But at the moment, I've done a couple of rookie shuffles, chased some of the names I've already mentioned and turned Nick Dacos into Tom Mitchell. So after waiting okay. another week, after we spoke about him last week, I was like, let me just have another gander. I think he's, he went right, um, didn't he? did, had 112. His average against Collingwood's the best of his career. Like that's his team mm. he pref- prefers to score against. So don't know, you know how much of a grain of salt that's worth, but I think he's going to, push to be a top eight mid for the rest of the year. And it saves me a hundred grand compared to going someone like Kelly or, you know, nearly 150 compared to grabbing a Callum Mills or something of the sort. So I reckon that's the route I'm going down, but yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how uh, buy round number one unfolds. Bloody oath. Yeah. I've got no idea yet. I'm waiting till teams. Yeah. Probably a smart decision. Let's be honest. Like we've got time up our Mm. sleeve. See what happens Thursday. I'm pretty sure. Next round? Yeah, I'm pretty sure next round we get Thursday night footy back from memory. Oh. So that could be interesting throughout the buy rounds. Yeah, I'm a big become a big fan of Thursday night footy. I do enjoy stretching yeah, you're right. as much as possible. 13 and 14. We get it. Yeah. Yep. Uh for what it's worth as well, buy players are locked at the start of the last game of the round. So if you're making some VC moves, it should be easier this week. Where do you reckon yep. you'll roll your uh, V and C? I have done that. Um, let's look. <laughs> Haven't made a single uh, trade or bench move, but I've done me skippers. <laughs> uh, I just, uh, you get, I've got burned so many times by like not doing it or mucking around with trades and then rolling back. And then they're on the last week's ones. And I yeah. just, especially because I VC Dunkley in. So it probably would have been on some random. And then I, I just, I'm like, it's as soon as I log in, Mate, yeah, as soon as I log in after lockout's lifted, I do it because I'm just yeah. like, I don't want to deal with that. Um, I'm going Tuke against North with the V. I think he's Ooh. a Saturday game from memory. Yep, early Saturday. And then I think I'll go Lockie against you boys. Um, I feel like he probably always, always plays well against the Dockers, um, sort of that rivalry old club. But also I just don't have a lot of faith in... The Dogs boys against Geelong. Where is that, actually? I'm just going to have a look. Uh, it's not telling me. Oh, know. it's on Friday night, so it won't be at GMHBA, but still Never worries know, might me. Be. I think I will go... I think... Yeah, I'll have a gander. I think yeah. I'll go down the... Um, yeah, it's at Marvel. You're right. Yeah. Uh, down the Josh Dunkley V route after his score last sure. week. He's in good form. I think he's only gone under 100 once this year from memory, so... I'll take that. Good. I'd also think uh, they're going to win that game, but we'll talk round 12 uh, in a bit. I think if he fails, I might might roll the dice with Maxi Gorn going up against Sydney. Like they don't have great recognized yeah. Ruckman. Petey Laddams and a Tom Hickey, I think, still kicking. But yeah, yeah oh, I haven't fully decided. Name, what's his name, Laddams? What were you saying last week? Can you remember? Oh, Jilgy Laddams. <laughs> Big Jilgy Laddams. Let's Jilgy bring Laddams. that in. Jilgy yeah. Laddams. 
might have to uh yeah give a shout out to Jugi Laddams moving forward. But uh I don't think he'll slow down Max Gorn, but it's been a while since Big Maximus has had a massive score. So that's also a bit in the back of my mind. Like, mm. I'm hoping Dunkley just goes well on Friday and I can just yeah. tick off. I might honestly take like a 111 this week, considering that it's the buys. Bloody <laughs> oath. Yeah. You get, you get triple ones. That's me benchmark for the next three weeks. I, yeah. I'm pretty glad I've got Took playing North. I feel very confident. That's nice. BC, yeah. yeah, that I feel good. I don't feel good about the, any of the other ones though. I'm that yeah. I'm concerned. So can't do nice Let's go. Um, yeah. all right. We're doing this in a bit of a weird order, but let's chat some round eleven results because we obviously talked a bit about the Swans Tigers, and that turned out to be a pretty ripper game. I know it was last Friday, so five days yeah. ago it feels like forever ago. That's right. Yeah, uh, it feels like a lifetime ago. It does. What do you think of the whole Chad Warner 50 after the siren saga? Do you reckon, in short, the umpire's got it right? Uh, I think so. I don't think you could call that. It was such because he kicked it into the crowd. Yeah. That made, like, if he just bombed it, it wouldn't have mattered. But because he went into the crowd, look, I was. I think it's one of those ones. If they called it fifty, we'd be talking about it. If they didn't call it fifty, we'd be we're talking about it now. So yeah, I think it was probably the right decision. Although, if I was a Richmond fan, I'd be fucking livid. So, you know, it's a real depends, rabbit hole. There's no right answer. Depends where you sit, right? Yeah, I Has think the they did AFL, get it right. Yeah, have they come out the AFL? And I'm pretty sure they did and they said yeah like in the spirit of the game that was the right call because i can't remember their justification but yeah they they made a solid argument as to why that was the right call and i kind of agree with it i think he wasn't yeah doing it to waste time and you think about it if that happened in a game and the siren didn't go like if he had have played on from that area and kicked it forward instead of into the crowd like he it might be 50 but he could have almost argued that he like didn't hear the whistle like it was pretty close to in play so i yeah, reckon it's I, the it's the out of bounds thing you're like that's yeah. time wasting like you just put it's stupid like anyway i don't know i'd be spewing if i was a richmond fan and i'd yeah. be steadfast if i was a sydney fan as it stands don't like either of those teams so <laughs> fuck them both yeah might not be a fan of the swans and tigers uh i don't want to rehash the point that I thought that Sydney was going to win this game and that I was uh, in on the Swans bandwagon. But, hey, I got a uh, useless sports by Fry stat for you. Because, obviously, if uh, Dion Prestia had been paid that 50, he would have been having a shot after the siren to draw the game. How many shots after the siren, successful ones, do you reckon there have been that have drawn an AFL game? Oh, mate. I feel like for some reason I can remember one, but I would... You'll be able to. I'd be hesitant to say, should I? Yeah, I'll go through that as the second part of the trivia. But yeah, have a have a stab. How many do you reckon they've been in the history of the AFL? First one is 1935. For what it's worth, I reckon there can't be fucking many. Like there must be one or two in my lifetime max. So let's say I'm 30, nearly 30. Let's go with nine. Oh yeah, seven, seven. You're right. Not a shitload of them. I mean, 54 uh, goals after the siren to win. Uh, most recent one was Jordan Dawson's, obviously, this year. Mm. But the last uh, draw 
after the siren, shot from after the siren, came in 2017. It was Adelaide versus Collingwood. Can you remember who kicked okay. the snag? Adelaide versus Collingwood. He took no. a big mark. I think he kicked about four or five that day. No. It was our You're mate, just... Mitchie, Mitchie McGovs. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, good old Mitch. Well, yeah. you know what? I never would have got that. Never I didn't think you would have, but yeah, there you go. That's uh, that's what the that's what the listeners come for. It's just a little bit of rare insight that you wouldn't get anywhere else because no one else gives a fuck. <laughs> Why don't you ever post those on Instagram? I do sometimes, that's but not do more not all the time. Yeah. Um, anyway, all right. More round eleven results. We talked about the Hawks and Swans last week. Ah, Swans, Hawks and Suns last week. Uh, didn't see Gold Coast running over Hawthorne as much as or by as much as they did. And their stretch home is pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, they only I play like Brisbane and Geelong at the moment in the top eight. I think they've got a match with Port Adelaide, who could be in the top eight by the time they clash. But, you know, two games against North, they've still got Adelaide, Essendon. They might have Hawthorne again. So with that in mind and the fact that they're, well, they're not in the mix, I wouldn't say, but after their first half of the season, do you reckon this is the year that we see the Gold Coast Suns play finals? I reckon there there is a chance. (laughs) This is a really hard... Yeah, this is a really hard season to gauge, to be honest. So I would be hesitant to say yes. If five and six... Yeah, there's some of the teams who are still outside. The doggies just jumped in, right? Mm, Yep. The power still outside? Yeah. All right, let's play this this hypothetical game. So we'll go through and we'll we'll forecast the rest of their season, right? So they got North this week. Yeah. It'll be six and six. Then they got Adelaide in Queensland. Give them a win there. Yeah, yeah, give them a win. Yep. Yep. And then you got Port in Adelaide. So we'll give Port a win there. So they're seven and seven. Uh, Collingwood in Queensland. Yeah, Tuke Miller will have 45 touches that day. Go on, oh, give him the win. Bookmark that one. Uh, Richmond in Queensland. Let's say no. Yep. Okay. All eight right. and eight. Uh, Essendon yep. in Victoria. I'm back. Yep. Uh, then we got Brisbane in at the Gabba. See you later. What's that? Nine and nine. Uh, oh, you know they play well against Brisbane, though. They do, yeah. But I, I, I agree with you. Uh, West Coast at home. Fuck off, West Coast. <laughs> uh, Hawthorne in Tasmania. They'll, they'll roll. Oh, the Hawks play weirdly well down there. They do, but nah, bugger them. All right, give it the Suns. Then you go Geelong at Metricon. It's one of those weird ones. Bit of a, a let's go Geelong. And then their last game is against North at Marvel. So you'd expect them to win that one. That gives yeah. them 12, maybe 13 if there's one or so that we flip. And usually, what's that? That'd be 13 and 9 or 12 and 10. Be right on the cusp. And there's a couple of them that, you know, could go either way. We were generous with some and don't expect them to upset any of the other teams but i reckon 12 wins is about where we'll see them finish which could be enough to scrape in so what you're saying is there's a chance chance. after after all that there's a chance 
Yeah, but yeah, I don't think I, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I, no, I reckon they'll just miss out. But I, I hope they make it over some of those other teams. Fuck them all. But actually, tell let's you make what, this. If it's not West Coast, I want it to be Gold Coast. So. Yeah, I don't know I'm if I can coast. fully endorse or get behind that take. Uh, but, you know, we might be waiting for a while for another flag at Fremantle. You know, we've had some down years, but maybe, just maybe we'll catch lightning in a bottle after uh, and ride the momentum from what they did on the weekend. Because I tell you what, that might be the biggest win in Frio's history. Like, there's bigger finals wins. But to yeah, upset the reigning premiers who have won like 17 or 18 in a row, they were down by 25 at half time, And like to not just win by a couple of points, like they won by like six goals. It might be, it's right up there. It's right up there with the biggest wins in Dockers history, I reckon. Calm the fuck down, Frio fan, who's been robbed of, of any joy. Hey, I haven't that dropped a, the, uh, a... I haven't dropped flag medal yet. I'm not. Not sell on the farm. I haven't looked up grand final. I, I have had a little look at grand final tickets, but I haven't uh, oh, haven't adjusted my finances. We'll probably lose to Brisbane this week anyway. But yeah, huge. I huge. think I think I, I wouldn't say it was a huge win in their history. It's just like a it's like round eleven in uh yeah round eleven like against like a a Melbourne team that was always going to win. It was a great win. Don't let me take anything away from it. Um, Stephen May going down is pretty big though. Let's not overlook that. But it was a great win. I even after the last two weeks, because you guys lost to the previous two, is that right? Yeah, Gold Coast and Collingwood. Was, was unwavering in my Dockers support. I don't think I voiced it anyway, but I just was never worried. I think you guys are a top four side. Um but it's not the biggest win in Frio's history. You've made it to a grand final, mate. Stephen Hill kicked that goal against Geelong. Like that's easily, without even thinking, the biggest win in Frio history. But it was a great win. Yeah. You should be excited. I I would just pump the fucking brakes though, because Melbourne was Melbourne's like they're just like we've won fucking eighteen in a row. Like what? This is just they were due nothing, right? Yeah, they were due and like every team needs it. I, I loved what Long uh, Muir, yeah, Long Muir said after the game. Um, it's just one game. Like, don't get carried away. Like, enjoy it, but don't get carried away and say it's the biggest win in club history. Um, just, just move on to the next one. Let's see how you go against Brisbane. If you guys yeah. whoop Brisbane, then let's start talking maybe. But yeah, okay. it was a great That's- win. That greatest winning club history stretch. I'll give you that. Uh, Before we started recording, I was reading this article on the greatest like regular season wins in Frio history. And I was like, oh yeah, this one's fucking pips all of them. But you're right. It's like the middle of the year, the middle of the year. Uh, I think it'll be very, very interesting to see how they go against Brisbane on the weekend who might be, well, they're, they're not because Melbourne is, but Brisbane might be the form team of the competition. Like they're probably the best offensive team. Melbourne seem to have had more changes with their list, if you know what I mean. Like there's been more ins and outs and more yeah. uh, blokes coming in and out where it seems like Brisbane are pretty fucking steadfast. They've been getting the job done. It's been by like five to 10 goals each week. No fuss. So it's in WA, two versus three on the ladder. I think I'll go watch it. 
Oh, yeah, right. I was talking to kids about the potential of doing that, but obviously uh, not coming up, so I won't be able to tick that box. Uh, who are you going to yeah, be? Send uh, you a snap. Who are you going to be tipping? Um. Oh, good question. Uh, I might go with Freo at home. I reckon mm. coming off a big win, but there is that risk, just like you've displayed from a fan's perspective, that all these young Freo kids will be riding high and then run into like the Lockie Neal buzzsaw and just get uh, decimated. So I'll back you boys in, but it, it really is one of those ones. It could go either way. Yeah. It is a matchup between the best offense and the best defense. So from a, a hardcore footy fan, I'm actually very intrigued to see which strength mm. comes out. Uh, similar to what we talked about in the finals though, I'll be interested to see how Frio score and how Brisbane defend as well. Cause yeah. I don't think, Frio kicked what 11 goals from like 15 or 12 inside fifties, something you know, against Melbourne, like just blitzed them. I can't like, that was perfect footy. I can't see him coming up with too many passages like that against the Lions. So I think I'll tip Brisbane as well, but you know, I am a glass half empty Fremantle uh, Dockers fan. So sort of except on claiming it's the biggest win. Yeah, no. in that was, that was sarcasm. Yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, other than the Brisbane and Frio game, there's another one that I've got my eyes uh, set on and I've had a bit of a, not a dislike, but I have, I've been starting to sell my Geelong stock. Didn't have much of it left, but we talked about it. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before. I do wonder if their premiership window is closing or is almost closed. Uh, they've got some pretty aging superstars and they're going up against the dogs on Friday night footy. Bulldogs just recracked the eight. They were on three. Wins in a row, took care of business over the weekend against West Coast in pretty dominant fashion. Who's your Friday night footy tip? The Cats or the Dogs? Are there any ins or outs or anything? Baz Smith will come back in. What, I've, think? I've sort of, I never watched Geelong because they're so boring. <laughs> so I don't even know who's playing for them. Don't have any of their fantasy blokes. Like, did they win? Actually, last neither week? do I now that I think about it. I don't have any Geelong Cats. Except Coning. Um, okay, they flogged Adelaide. Um, to be expected. Yeah, I guess I'll go the doggies. I just think their midfield might get over them, and then. But I do like I do like the way Geelong can just grind out a game. Their defense seems to control the game really nicely. So, it is one of those things. You know, Tommy Stewart might just have another hundred and seventy fantasy points and mark yeah, everything. Yeah, how about and, that, eh? really dictate the game so it's going to be a cracking matchup against two quite almost like we were saying with Frio and Brisbane two quite opposing kind of styles but I'll probably go the doggies I think yep I'm with the dogs as well I picked them in the preseason to win the flag I think they got off to a pretty bumpy start and they're starting to find their mojo now and click uh hopefully this is a game where we start to see uh Aaron Norton fire as one of the big uh, big dogs, who I also had a cheeky little uh, wager on for the Galman. Um, oh. right. yeah, he's not that one. far off. No, he's gone all right. He's gone all right. Last one I want to talk about is uh, potentially Carlton and Essendon. And I'm highlighting this for a couple of different reasons. Uh, Blues are fifth on the ladder at the moment. Their most recent game is their first loss in a while. But they're still sitting pretty just in touch with the top four. They're fifth at the moment, purely on percentage at eight and three. 
I do wonder, though, with the injuries that are starting to mount up for the Blues, it might not be this game against Essendon because I think personally they're pretty average. But I do wonder if there's a, a danger game coming, if Carlton's just going to go on a bit of a slide. They've lost Weedering. They lost Mackay. Their midfield is still stacked and elite. So this might be, you know, must be for nothing. But should alarm bells be ringing for Carlton? No one expected them to be in this position. We thought they'd challenge for a spot in the eight, which they obviously still will. But do you think there could be a little bit of slippage coming? I don't think so. But you know they're on the buy, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Just checking. Yeah, no, the next game's against Essen. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So n- next week, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, we can still talk about it. Um, I think, no, I think they're fine. There's going to be some cavalry arriving shortly. Um, I, I sort of didn't think they should have lost that game. I nah, thought the whole time they were going to come over the top of Collingwood and Collingwood, to my mind, held on and sort of, uh, if that game went one more minute, I think Carlton won, would have won. Yeah, okay. And then we might not be having this conversation. Um, I think they need a Ruckman back. They need to stop rucking Crips. I think that's really hurting yeah, them. Yeah, true. Um, but Hewitt missed those few games. He's back now, looking as good as ever. Walsh is firing. Um, Kennedy's out, but he'll come back. Govzy comes back. Who else are they bloody missing? Oh, Mackay's out Mackay. for a while, isn't he? Yeah. I want to say he's in the similar injury ballpark as um, Weedering, so he might be another month-ish away. Weedering's a bit right. lower, actually, but... yeah. I wouldn't be worrying, to be oh, honest. Okay. What are you, Charlie starting to fire up? Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> Maybe it's just me being a pessimist once again. But like, I'm looking at their next coupler. They've obviously got the Dons off the bye. Then they got Richmond, Frio, St Kilda. If they go, you know, one and four in those games. Oh, sorry, one and three. It might just see them come back down to earth. I do. Maybe their flag legitimacy takes a bit of a hit, and they're the team that is battling for Gold Coast, with Gold Coast for one of those last couple of spots in the eight. Again, might mean nothing and they might go three and one or two and two, get some of those big boys back and be fine. But yeah, I've just been digging into a couple of bits and pieces and I was looking at the blues and I haven't been fully in all year. I've got to about 92%, but I still can't fully get behind them as a legitimate flag threat. I don't think they're a flag threat. But I think they'll hold on. Well, let me, to let me say, are. as a, I don't think they'll finish the top four. I don't think they will either. It'll be a threat for. But I think they're so. a, I think they're a comfortable final side. I think yeah, okay. they're sort of five six. I reckon they'll be right. Yeah. See how they go. They obviously uh, were one of the clubs to take part in the mid-season draft, which happened mm. a couple of hours ago. They went out and grabbed uh, another key back who should help them out. Ex Roo Sam Durden. Uh, looked into much of what the West Coast did with Jai Cully. Uh, I looked at his highlight package, roughly know his measurables, um, jab it up your woundy. I don't know. Yeah. That's all I know about him. Yeah, that's yeah. about all there is to know about him. A uh, <clears throat> couple of fantasy blokes to remember the name of. The bloke who landed at Collingwood, Josh Carmichael, uh, will probably okay. enter the system as a 190k mid. He averaged 105 Fantasy points from his games in the sample. So he's one to keep an eye on. Uh, who else we got here? Will Hayes. I doubt he'll recrack AFL level, but he's the bloke who was on um, Footscray's. He was in Footscray's VFL team, got promoted to the Dogs, played a couple of games there, and then 
Carlton basically pounced on him at their VFL side and they'd have done exactly the same thing, promote him to the senior list. So if pieces go down or we see, you know, Matt Kennedy's out for longer or they need another bloke in the engine room, he could bob up for a game or two. Uh, Jai Cully, the West Coast bloke that we just touched on, he's, he's got a pretty good fantasy game. Like he pushes forward, kicks goals. I don't know if West Coast will throw him straight back into that midfield, especially if you've got Sheed, um, Yowie starting to get fitter and Shuey to go back in. I don't know where he fits. Yeah. He might. He's only 19, though, so I think they'll probably have a, a longer-term outlook. Uh, Massimo D'Ambrosio, D'Ambrosio, something like that. Uh, went to the oh, Bombers. Man. Should be a running defender. He could be interesting and might get gigs early. Uh, who else we got here? Ruckman for Hawthorne. Max Ramsden, probably a longer prospect. Uh, that's about it. Most yeah. of the other blokes are pretty irrelevant, but I'm, I was hoping that we'd get a Ruckman or two that could be uh, fantasy relevant. And there's a couple of good blokes there that have got like good scoring pedigree, but... You and a Ruckman? Oh, just a basement Ruckman. Someone to chop like a Sam Hayes out for or something, you uh, know? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm fucking... I've got Ruckman out my ass right now, mate. I'll tell you, got, you what. You got all the West Coast blokes? <laughs> no, I've got Darcy Cameron, Tim English, Braden Pruce, and uh, Rowan Marshall. Like, I'll just, oh, yeah, after, okay. the, after the buyers, I'm going to have to start axing some of these blokes, yeah. in all honesty. Yeah. So, I, uh, I'm a bit jealous I can't join you on the English uh, train. We know how important mm. Ruckman are. Uh, good segue good. into uh, our final sports topic for this podcast. So once Let again, time notes. do a bit of a Mount Rushmore. I'll be honest. Uh, I was feeling very underprepared a bit earlier. I was like, ah, oh, I put a bit of like time and effort into this, but man, I haven't, haven't really thought about like where I'm going to draft or who I'm going to target. So gave myself another 10, 15 minutes of prep. And I'm raring to go. Today, we're going to draft the current AFL players that you want to build a team around. Keeping in mind that we want to pick blokes that look good on an Instagram graphic. And so I had a question about this. Is it, you know, how how people get, I guess they'll probably read it and look at the, the four blokes, but it's kind of almost a weird one because you're going to pick a bloke and then be like, all right, well, who would be the next bloke I would build around? It's So you'll sort of see this these four blokes and some people are like, oh, there's no forwards. or But you're like, you know, I've got the four yeah. best midfielders or the best... Do you know what I mean? Like I, I'm sort of a bit unsure about that. Might even need to. Is it a unit or is it all individuals? Nah, all individuals. So you're not drafting. You're not having four picks for one team. You've got four picks for four teams. If that makes sense. So like you're starting from scratch, but you've got the seventh pick, and I don't know. Someone else has taken the player you wanted pick two. Okay, radio. I'm good to go then. All right. Uh, For those who have not been paying attention. Managed to chalk up the dub last week. So you are now the yeah. proud owner of uh, the number one overall pick. Record, I'm sorry to inform you, slips to two and one, but I'm still sitting at one and two, so it could be worse. Don't think because people don't know who the fuck Elgin Baylor is. So I even, I even found a sick photo. I was like, oh, that's the best Elgin Baylor photo going around. Got no excuses. They need to put some respect upon his head top. But anyway, I digress. I've got the number one pick. A lot of ways I can go, but... Um, I think it's it's one of those ones. You, sometimes you just got to pick the best player in the game, and 
I would have. This bloke's 20, 26 years old. He's like, I feel like just quite clearly the best player in the game right now, like, and has been since the granny. Um, and I think probably will be for the next two years, three years. And you're probably going to get five years out of this bloke, Chris Petrarca. Chris Petrarca, as I like to call him. Probably my, Chris. Rushmore. Come over here, Chris. Um, start me team off. Just get me going in the guts. Yeah. So, yeah. I think I'm going to uh, agree with you. I would take Christian Petrarca in that spot as well. Uh, I didn't realize he was 26. Has he already had his birthday this year? Yeah, whatever. You know, even if he is 26, you still probably got another seven years of prime Petrarca or like an elite level player. Hmm. Next one's interesting because like you said, it's not a team, so I could go to a couple of different routes. And as I was building my list of blokes to draft, I was thinking long-term, but I was also thinking like which positions you need to fill. And there's a couple that you could make the case for uh, around the ground, but I'm going to focus in the midfield as well. And I'm going to take Baz Smith because we saw what he did uh, in the finals last year, that like three goal game, four goal game he had against Brisbane. Like he could be Christian Petrarca in five years. Actually, he probably will be. I don't think that's saying anything outlandish. And he's only like a 20, 21. So I've got him for yonks. I think if you're going to build around a bloke, he's a pretty good bloke to build around. Yeah, I think he'll be better than Petrarca. I reckon Baz, hmm. um, I had him eighth, um, incidentally. Yeah, wow. Um, but that's not because I don't rate him. I just, I just don't know. I sort of thought there were some other blokes who you could probably put ahead of him just because they're a little bit more established. Know. I don't even know what I'm saying. Oh, I don't know. He's he is so good, and I really rate him. I think he might go down as like goat status kind of thing, but I reckon my number two pick also might go down as goat status kind of thing. I think we've talked about it a bit, <clears throat> maybe a few years ago. Even might have been his rookie season when we were chatting about it, and oh, we were just saying, "Mate, I this bloke has a lot of. Take. He's got a lot of like Judd about him, and it's." He doesn't have that like explosiveness that Judd had. It's like if you took Judd and Cousins and just smooshed them Squashed together. Squashed them together. Yeah. Not quite as quick as a Judd. Doesn't qu- probably have quite the, well, maybe he does have the gut running of yeah, Cousins. But it's, say. you've got Judd and you've got Cousins and you've just gone bang. And you've got Sam Walsh, even got mm-hmm. the right jersey for Juddy on. So I'm picking Sammy Walsh, 21 years of age, same age as Baz Smith. Those two are going to, duel it out for the next decade for supremacy and it's you know what two teams that might duel it out for a bit of supremacy over the next five ten years so yeah you're not wrong they've got two pretty promising uh budding midfields and that's obviously where it starts and they've got some you know talent at each end of the uh end of the field speaking of each end of the field i had well she right up there on my list as well mm-hmm. but i had this bloke one spot higher because I tossed and turned over where I was going to pick Baz and Walshy and how I'd rank them. And then I thought about what players you want to build around. And like I said, I think if you've got midfield, that's where it starts. But if you've got a bloke like Max King, who in what? Is he in his fourth year? That sounds about right. In four years. Already done an ACL. Already done an ACL. In four years, he's shown a lot of flashes. Uh, 
this season as well, he's had, I wouldn't say games, but he's almost had quarters where he's like ripped, ripped it apart. Uh, I think he is probably the best of all the forwards. If you were going to build a team around, you could make the case for a couple of others, but I think with the floor that you've got from him, if you were taking him now and you were going to lock him up for another half a dozen to 10 years, I think, you know, you could argue that you probably don't need to invest too much into other tall forwards. Hopefully he doesn't uh, have another knee issue, but you know, you can just put plonk a team member next to him and still be in the top eight, uh, top four. So I think Max King will be my second overall selection. Yeah. He was sitting, I had the fourth rank on him mm-hmm. and I could take my third rank. I could have, I can get my one, two and three if I want, but I'm starting to question myself now, Alex, it gets, I actually gets think dicey. it gets quite hard from gets here dicey. on out. Yeah. Oh, and so I don't know what to do here. I'm not going to get a defender. You're going to pick any defenders? I don't think so. Nah, there's yeah. a couple of honourable mentions, but maybe with my last one, I might throw a dart. But the bloke I'm looking at, probably not. He's probably a bit over the hump. Or well, not even over the hump, but yeah, anyway. I think... Hey, there's I no mean, shot look, I don't want to... talk, talk me through your thoughts. Take your time. Yeah, I, I don't want to go another 26-year-old, you know, because I've there's Max. guys that are... There's a couple of guys who we love on our fantasy teams that we could pick 26. Mm. Yep. Miller, Jack Steele. You can pick either of those two. Easy. Haven't ranked them. I don't think I'm going to go with my third selection. Okay. Or am I? No, I'm not. Okay. Clayton Oliver was my number three ranked guy. Um. And it was kind of like I sort of thought you would pick Walsh and I might sort of, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. I forgot I had the number one pick I must admit. <laughs> I was going yeah, to go Oliver. He's oh, ranked number the three. But I don't think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go Tim English. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good pick. Because Good pick. Look, Oliver might be there with my next pick, but if not, I can pick. There's another bloke. So I feel good. <laughs> I can pick I've, that guy. <laughs> who I'm not going to say yet. But yeah, I, I don't know about the forwards. I feel like Tim English, we've said it. He's like a, he's he's a massive guy and he's like, he's as smooth as a midfielder. He's, and he's really come on this year. So Absolutely. 24 years old, Tim English. Yep. My midfield looks good. Some may say uh, Dean Cox. 2.0. Those people might be laughed out of the room, but not out of our room. I buy nah. buying all the English stock that I can get. I'm actually spewing. I can't get him this week with my fantasy trades, but yeah. you know, can't have them all. All right. Well, okay. English was next on my list. Uh, I'm glad I took him then. Yeah, I was going to take him, uh, but now it starts to get tricky as to where the age factor comes in because there's a couple of blokes who I'm looking and I'm might be banking on a bit of upside and then there's a couple of other boys who are a bit more established and I'm thinking two picks with this one like I'm thinking who I'm going to take next as well and he was next on my list he was sitting at five and I'm going to take the bloke who I think at the moment is in the position to win the Brownlow medal 
and that is Clayton Oliver. Because I think he, right. you can make the case if he's not playing with Petrarca or like, you know, imagine if he was in a midfield and getting the similar shine to like a, a Crips, right? Like he was the star mm. of the show. I think the fact that he plays with Petrarca probably helps a bit because you can't tag both of them. But yeah, I think he is arguably the best ball winner in the AFL today. Like Tom Mitchell, Lockie Neal, McRae, you put all of them in the combo, but I think Claytos is right up there. He'll be named in the All-Australian side on the ball, probably next to the bloke you took first. But yeah, Clayton, yeah. come on down. <clears throat> oh, my God. I just I, I don't want to just pick a midfield, but it feels like you, you'd be irresponsible to leave a lot of these blokes. I think I'll take so, a midfield with my last pick for what it's worth. Unless you take it. All right. Oh, man. All right. Well, I'm not going to pick this bloke. So, like, Darcy Parrish was very strongly considering. Honourable mention for me, yep. Oh, it's between two guys. It's between a, a forward, actually, and a midfielder. Oh, okay. And, cool. oh, boy. I've already got two elite midfielders. Yeah, talk so me I'm going to go your, this bloke. So you got Petrarca, Walshy, and Tim English? Yeah, yeah. They're pretty good, like, ones to build around, yeah. Yeah, and look, any of these picks would be, like, are probably right answers. But they're all a little bit boring, let's be honest. None of it. Does Clayton Oliver excite you as a footballer? No, not really. But well, was, you know, if you got him in your fantasy side, you bank the 115 points and the 30 touches. But I, I get where you're coming from. Watching him, does he excite you? Petrarca. Oh, Petrarca's honestly I wonder if you're maybe going the only down the route that I was thinking. Petrarca and Smith are the only blokes who probably really excite you so far. Picked Walshy, yeah. boring. He's actually a boring fucking player to watch. He's fucking good. He's a winner. Boring. Uh, and I was going to go, this bloke who I was going to go, I'll say his name because I'm not going to pick him now. He's fucking boring. Andy Brayshaw, he's boring. He's fucking good. He's 22 he years old. Like The future is, I think it's Baz and Walsh's, but it might be his as well. Like mm. He might be right there. But I'm going Shea Bolton. Yeah, nice. I thought that's who you were talking about. He's on my list. Yeah. Shame, shamey Bolton. I'm gonna go Shay Bolton just because I think like out of all these blokes, he's the one who's got a bit of like pizzazz and can like he's actually probably the closest thing I've seen to Cyril since Cyril. Fair point. He's 23 yep. years old. That's actually he's, a fantastic like, I, call. I write that one. Yeah, I yeah. think he's coming into his own. Um, he runs through the middle. He goes forward. He's dangerous at all levels. Um, yeah, Shay Bolton. I think you'll look good on a graphic too. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know. Do you want me to do get his hanger, like the mark that he took against Geelong on the graphic, or just find another? Yeah, one you better give him one of those. You better pick the hanger. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I agree with you. Bums on seats factor. He is uh, right up there. I wasn't going to pick him, but he was definitely within these next couple of picks. Uh, Aaron yeah. Norton also cracked the honourable mentions, but. Yeah, Not I even think, on my lists. I think outside of Max King, there's probably no other forwards that I love. Uh, Matty the Rowe. Two blues, two blues, guys. Mackay. Turno 25, Mackay 24. 
Not really. Maybe I'm still a Blues hater, but not over the blokes that we've all listed and named earlier. I feel like if we were doing a second Mount Rushmore, that's the the area they'd be. Um, Yeah, Matty Rao. I did have Sam Taylor and Jacob Wiedering on the list, but I'm probably not going to pick either of them. Wiedering is tempting, but I'm now tossing up between the boring Andy Brayshaw uh, from a personal fun factor. Yeah. Or another number two pick who's a couple of years older than him. But I feel like if you're building a team around a player, this bloke has shown that he can go forward and kick a couple goals when we've had uh, absences like Toby Green. He's done that in the past. Uh, Now, you know what? I I was leaning towards Timmy Taranto, but I can't not pick Andy Brayshaw. Yeah. Taranto is not even on my list, to be honest. Yeah. I think that he's... He's a star of the comp, obviously. You know that. You held him mm. this far through his injury as well. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, gun, mid forward, uh, does his best work in the engine room, is a shredded unit and can pretty much get, you know, 30 touches and eight tackles without a worry. But, mm. yeah, I think I'm going for the Andy Brayshaw and a bit of the the skipper potential is there for me, you know, Andy Brayshaw's yeah. a, a great role model to have on your team to build a, a list around. Okay. So I think it's a bit boring. Got a couple of, couple of midfielders chewing up my four spots, but I'm not unhappy. I'm happy with the quartet that I walked away with. You know, the defender who I would have put the highest, I th- you said Tommy uh, Weedering and, hey. Tommy Barrist. Oh. <laughs> He probably deserves it a little bit. He's that good. He just sprung the um, mind. Yeah, yeah. Did you say Taylor and Weedering? Yeah. I also had Harris Andrews, only 25, and he's elite. Oh, I Darcy had Moore's his only... name down, but got rid of it because I thought he was way older. Nah, he's 25. Darcy Moore, only 26. But the defender that I would actually be the most inclined to pick, 19-year-old Nick Dacos. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's an interesting one. I did consider it. I did consider it. But no, I feel pretty happy. Petrarca, Walsh, English, and Shaibon. Um, yeah, pretty excited. These are two very even uh, units, if you ask me, as to blokes that you want to build a team around. I like the uniqueness of going down a Shea Bolton route. I guess that's what I was mm. kind of thinking about chasing with Tim Terrance, but cut from a different cloth. So, yeah, I'm not unhappy. Yeah, yeah we'll see. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> Uh, who, so who have you, you've got Oliver, Brayshaw, Brayshaw Baz, Smith. and Max King. I just wonder which, who's got like the more popular teams. I got I got the Richmond vote with Shea yep. Bolton. I've got the Melbourne vote probably over you with yep. Petraka, favorite son. Got the do- well, you well, might have the doggies know. vote. The doggies would be interesting. Maybe split the doggies vote, and then what is it? The Saints versus the Blues. I got the I got the most important vote though. I got the only player that hails from Western Australia. Yeah, <laughs> so I've got the yeah. uh, the free battle vote. Do you have a lot of West Aussie listeners? Uh, it's a yeah. majority. Tons of them, I would say. I think I actually looked into my uh, analytics the other night. I think on average about two thirds to three quarters of the people that listen to this are Australians who listen to it on their iPhone through Spotify. So there you go. That's how in-depth the analytics get. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> Fucking no shit. I, you know what? I can't yeah, believe I it's I was only say, you could have told me three. <laughs> I, I can't believe it's only three quarters, Ollie. Oh, no. Nah. Where do the rest come from? Nah, man. We we go global. We're big, we got big US following. A couple of the boys still big, in Canada giving us some props. Big in the Philippines still. Yeah, going off in Tunisia. <laughs> yeah, sports yeah, by no, going we'll global. Oh, yeah, well, after that yeah. draft, tell you what. Yeah, that'll uh, that'll put some, I was going to say bums on seats, but that's not usually what you covet with a podcast. So that'll make people rush to get their AirPods. Yeah, yeah. Some pods in ears. All right, bloke, I reckon uh, these hump day sit-downs will uh, occur regularly. We'll pivot now and do a Wednesday pod each week. So we'll have footy to unpack, footy to preview, fantasy to talk about. And by the next time, I'm thinking we'll be about halfway through the finals, eh-ish? Oh, fuck if I know. Don't they have yeah. two games? We might only be two games in. Friday, Sunday, Tuesday. Yeah, two or three games in probably. So Yeah, that is sort of halfway. Yeah, yeah cool. All right, thanks for sitting down on this uh, Wednesday, JLo. We'll catch you next week. Catches on the on YouTube.